Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Home Practice with Hallie. I'm your host, Hallie Miraglada, here with the mission to make the tools of yoga more accessible to all bodies, no matter where in the world you make your home. In this episode, I am joined by yoga teacher, educator, storyteller, entrepreneur, Dr. Terry Harris of The Collective St. Louis. Terry, thank you for choosing to be here this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, really excited to to join you. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of share a little bit more about your work. Let's start with just you. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you found your way to your yoga practice. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm a storyteller. So uh, you probably gonna have to cut me off. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know, graduated college, majored in history, graduated college and, and start working in education and just really, um, you know, fell in love with young people and just the whole business of teaching and learning and, and telling stories. Right. Really listening to kids and understanding that they come with all these unique things um, that that um, that that's beautiful to sit with. Uh, but at the same time, when you, you also see like young people are extremely stressed out, you also see teachers who are um, extremely stressed out. And um, for me, it was a very unfortunate way to come to yoga. You know, I had um, a student, my very first student uh, that that I met through a summer program who really is a student that that got me into to uh, education. Um, she, she died. Um, and you know, just that level of like stress and anxiety and just like, whoa, this is not, this is not okay. Um, and, and something happening in your body. Right. And so just needed something. And I wasn't, I was, I'm never like a, a medicine person. Right. Not, not to say anything bad about that, but at that time I was, I was not into that and I needed some alternative way of like, just relaxing. And so one introduced uh, yoga to me and I went to a class at the, uh, Jewish community center and, um, you know, every since then, just kind of been playing with it and moved from different styles of yoga and then thought, you know, how can I um, teach yoga, become a yoga teacher so I can introduce this to young people? Like that was my thought, like introduce this concept to schools in the St. Louis region, St. Louis area. Um, and eventually it, it, it turned into uh, how do I introduce this practice to uh, black people in, in St. Louis? So. That's kind of how I, how I got there. I've been, uh, we started the collective three years ago and we've been around for, you know, a little bit over four years, but like actually physical location, um, the business aspect about three years. Amazing. And the collective is a 501c3. So it's a nonprofit donation-based yoga and wellness space in St. Louis. And I think it's the only one in the state of Missouri. Can you share a little bit more about what what went into the vision of creating this studio? And was there ever a decision between it being, you know, a for-profit versus a non-for-profit entity? Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, so we are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization in uh, the state of Missouri, um, uh, donation-based yoga studio in the state of Missouri. And yes, we're probably the only, um, as of, as of, probably today with only donation-based yoga studio uh, that we know of. And so, no, it was never, it was never a thought, right? So here's, here's what we were very clear about, especially in St. Louis. St. Louis is like many other places, very segregated. 
Um, and and there's a, these layers of segregation, right? So on the one on the north side of St. Louis, you have pretty much 90% of the people who live there are black people. And then uh, south side is a little bit more uh, diverse, right? But not only on the north side do you have uh, you know, these, these African-Americans, black people who live in there, you also have like this um, deep level of poverty. Um, and so we were very intentional about uh, making sure that those individuals had access um, to, to yoga. Um, and we also knew that they couldn't pay $25 for a class. My first yoga class that I took, I had a membership uh, at the, the Jewish Community Center. So, it, you know, it, it was built in. But the very first yoga class that I paid for was $25. And um, for me at the time, like that wasn't a lot of money. Uh, but then when you really sit back and think about money and when you think about uh, in North St. Louis, there are very few grocery stores. When you think about the fact that people are receiving their food from gas stations, that's where kids are getting their food from, right? So gas stations are serving or, you know, serving hot meals that is not good for you. When you think about um, there's there's really no healthy eating options. And, and so people are eating fast food. When you think about the, the air being very polluted, when you think about uh, condemned buildings, when you think about like poverty and what that looks like, this is the area. And then you're going to ask those individuals to pay $25 for a practice that they don't even know anything about. Now, we were we were very intentional. That was the easiest part about the business model. We wanted to make sure it was donation based because we wanted to introduce people to their breath. Right. We wanted to introduce reintroduce people to their bodies. We wanted to allow and create a space where people can rest, where people didn't have to worry about anything. And so in our model, because of the way our studio is made, uh, in our model, we, on, on one side is the, the actual yoga space. The other side is a community space. And so there are parents who, you know, it's, it's really interesting to watch, um, you know, the ethics of, of yoga play out, right? So, you know, we, we as yoga people know that you're supposed to do certain things. And then you're trying to introduce yoga to folks who don't really understand that. So people will have their kids. Um, and, you know, they would come in and probably have their shoes on on the other side or their socks didn't really feel like all these different things. But what, what, what that told us was that these individuals were, you know, trusting us to try it, but they weren't comfortable. Like they, I'm going to try it because you guys have said I should. And then over time, you can start seeing people allowing us to take their kids and bring their kids on the other side and let them play. You start to see people truly rest in Savasana. You start to see people um, start to invite their friends um, because they didn't have to, They the practice was good. The practice was wonderful. The people were amazing and they didn't have to worry about um, cost. And so, you know, if you were to give us a dollar, then that's great. If you were to give us $20, then that's great. If one day you can give five and the next day you can give 10 or the following week you were unable to give anything, then that's okay. Like there is no judgment. Um, and, and, and the model has worked. I mean, we've been around for three years. We write, we try to write a lot of grants. We have, um, organizations that will donate money because they like what we're doing. Um, and our people who practice with us are making sure that we have the money that we need to pay bills. I mean, none of us are trying to get rich off being a yoga teacher. We just really want to make sure that this practice is wonderful for our people. Mm-hmm. I feel like you touched on a couple of these specifically with like income not 
being an obstacle or a barrier to these wellness practices, but what else would you describe as kind of the goals or the mission of the collective? Yeah, so the mission of the collective is to bring health and wellness to the Black community in the city of St. Louis, period. So what does that look like? And so for us, we have these three legs that we call the three legs of the collective, the three things that the pillars that hold us up and uh, it's space, community, and then yoga. So when you go, when we go out and we talk about the collective that we always share and tell people that the collective is a love story, the collective is a love story, is a love story in a making, is a love story of self, is a love story of community, is a love story of city. Uh, it's truly a love story. And it's a love story that is set in health and well-being. Like, you know, that, that part is so amazing. Every time I think about that, every time I say that, I smile. Like, it really makes me smile. Like, it brings joy to my heart to say that the collective is a love story because I, I know that it is. And, um, you know, our people know that it is. And so the three legs or the three pillars that hold up the collective space community yoga, when we go out and talk to people, they may say, like, I don't know how to do yoga. Like, I've never tried yoga. All these things about yoga. But then I simply ask or Erica, who is a member, Alonzo, um, Andrea, or Mel will simply say, well, do you like a welcoming space, a warm space, a space that feels good? Oh, yeah, I love that. Do you like to be in relationship with people and community with people, hang out with your friends, just talk, mingle, shoot the breeze, right? Good conversation. Oh, yeah. And, and food. I need to mention food as well. Um, yeah, I love that. And then it's like, okay, cool. Come to the collective because we do <laughs> those two things and then we do yoga, right? So intentionally yoga is last because we're trying to um, target a group that may have certain thoughts about yoga. And so it's eradicating all of those fears and really centering what we all know that all human beings love and need relationships, right? They want to be in space where they feel welcome. Um, so then we concentrate on those two legs and then we simply throw in the yoga class, right? So the yoga class started at 930. We try to get people there by nine o'clock so you can feel all this energy and then you can try yoga. And if you don't know it, it's okay. And every one of our yoga classes will say things like um, if, you know, if you're doing tree pose, if you fall, laugh at yourself, try again, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing warrior three, you fall out, laugh at yourself, try again, right? Like it's, it's, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to not be, um, you know, not be serious and, and to understand that today you're not perfect. Tomorrow you will be. Um, and then the day after that, you probably won't again because perfection does <laughs> not set in stone. Like you're not perfect all the time at everything all day. Right. Um, and we always remind people that it's a personal practice, not a public performance. So you're not hit. There are no mirrors in our studio. You're not trying to perform for anyone. No one is looking at you. Um, we're all struggling through chair pose together. So. That, mm -hmm. that. But I wanted to mention food because it's really important. You know, one of the things that we do in terms of building a community at the end of every single yoga class that we have, we always have fresh fruit and fresh veggies. We partner with a local farm um, and they give us a lot. Of, they donate, I should say, um, these fresh, this fresh veggies. And so we give this to our um we give it to our students at the end of class so anyone can take it. So and, and it's really amazing to watch. It's true community. It's really amazing, amazing to watch community uh, develop 
So when you have a situation where we have X amount of cabbages or um, leafy greens, you know, people would take what they need. And if someone took something and, you know, lat or this week or last week, I should say, and the person behind them didn't get a chance to take something, that person probably won't step up and take anything. And if they do, they split it and share it. Like, it's amazing to watch community work. Um, trying vegetables that, hell, I've never heard of before. Um, some of the crazy things <laughs> we're trying. And, and people will cut it up and try it and eat it and come back and share recipes and different things like that. It's truly amazing. I love that. How did that partnership with the farm start? Um, because we were very intentional. We were very intentional. It's, it's, it's um, you know, there's so many layers to the collective. And I think that sometimes people, and, and the machine is running and working, right? But it's so layered. Uh, we didn't have, um, you don't have access to healthy food in the community that we're in. You just don't. Um, and so we were uh, intentional with trying to bring healthy food and uh, had a few conversations with some folks. And one of our trainees is a farmer and it was right around the corner from the studio and it's an urban farm. And he basically introduced us to the person and they was like, OK, here you go, you know, come and help out. Mm -hmm. So they're members of the uh, collective that will go and, you know, um, work the farm and. That was it. And then that happened. Then another farm that was further out and probably much bigger heard about what we were doing and wanted to get on board as well. So we have two farms that we are partnering with. That's amazing. I love that. So you have all sorts of different activities and classes and food happening. And you also incorporate restorative justice and circles as part of the healing space. Can you share a little bit more about what those practices are? Yes. So, and this is more so from our point, our standpoint of being educators. And so in education, there's this really big push, especially like in Chicago, Chicago public school system, uh, where you are is, um, you know, really pushing restorative practices, restorative justice, and it's, it's a huge thing. Um, so we are doing the same thing as well in our school systems. And I'm a trained um, restorative justice leader. And I love the concepts of circles, right? Restorative justice at, at, at the very basic level, restorative justice is about two things. It's about building relationships and repairing harm when harm is done. That's it. Right. And so when you think about that, when you think about that uh, from a school standpoint, yes, that makes sense. But then what does that look like from a yoga standpoint? From a yoga standpoint, um, building relationships. There have been many, many, many yoga classes where I attended paid my money and no one talked to me. Like no one, not even a front desk person. Not, it was like, no, hello, how are you? How's your day going? Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. It was a half smile, took my money and you know, I was just left to find my spot. Um, yeah, that doesn't feel great. <laughs> say that one more time. I said, that doesn't feel great. No, right? It doesn't feel great for anyone. And then you're left to, with these assumptions, wait, Am I not supposed to be here? Um, is this an all-female class? Is this, does this class, you know, for uh, advanced people? Like all these different things, right, that you have. So that's not building relationships. So I'm starting my practice with some level of harm, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and, then what, and so what does that feel like and move in my body, right? So we understood 
early on that the power of restorative justice circles, restorative justice and restorative circles was important. So there are times where we start class where we'll say, okay, like let's get in a circle and let's pass a talking piece and say um, emotional weather report. How are you feeling? So there's no need to go into it, but it's like today I feel blank. And then you say it, right? And then you say it and then you say it and then you say it, right? Everyone goes around the room. We got all voices in the room, right? Um, are, you know, it, uh, what's new and are good. So tell me something that's new. Tell me something that's good. Go. Cool. All right. And then so you're really getting to know people. And there are other questions that we ask uh, about values and different things like that so that people can understand, oh, I under that person is very much this way. And I didn't know that. Of course you didn't. There's we haven't really had uh, harm circles as much, but there have been, you know, one or two situations where, you know, a person was offended by something that we have to really sit down in the circle and talk about that process and talk about what happened. Like what we are very intentional about as well is making sure that we're not perpetuating harm to the community that we're trying to make sure is healed. Think about that. Like there are spaces that and organizations that say that they are healing organizations but their whole model, their whole approach, their whole interaction is very much hurtful. And um, we don't wanna do that. And you gotta also understand that as people and, and you know, as people, as humans, we often um, create and cause harm. Like that's just a natural process. And sometimes you cause harm and you don't even know that you're causing harm. And so when that happens, you just have to make sure that you're listening, <laughs> you're learning, and you're trying to repair the harm that has been done. And we start and we like do that with with our young people as well. Like so, like we have a program yoga for the youth. Um, uh, we are going and getting into schools and and teaching young kids about yoga and helping them lead sun salutations with their uh, peers. But every part of that, like again, yoga is the last thing that those students are learning. The very first thing that we were teaching them, the very first thing that we teach the young people is this concept called Ubuntu which is an African uh, philosophy, which is I am because you are, you are because I am, which is the basic level of restorative justice, if you ask me, because restorative justice at its very basic level is about building relationships. To say that I am because you are means that we are the same, right? Mean that means that we are connected. Like that, that there's no stronger uh, relationship than that, that, that thought, that philosophy. And so we teach young kids that first. Right. So there's a lot of things about how to be in healthy relationships with individuals, um, uh, how to change the, the narrative about what it means to be in a relationship. If I said that, you know, to, to you or to most people, you know, they immediately think about, um, you know, a sexual relationship or, you know, like a loving uh, lovers relationship opposed to like, no, like truly being in relationship with a friend. Uh, uh, with your, I don't know, with your school teacher, like what is like what does that look like? We're in relationships with everyone. The question is, mm -hmm. how is the relationship? So we teach that to young people with the principles of Ubuntu. We end every yoga yoga class with that, so people understand that I am because you are. We're all connected, which then gives people permission to say, you know, you really hurt me when you said that, or this didn't feel good. So. Mm. I feel like I can kind of hear it from you already, but tell me a little bit about the role of storytelling in your teaching style. Um, yeah, so uh, 
Maya Angelou said, there's no greater agony, agony than an, uh, an untold story. Every single one of us are walking into a yoga class with a story. And, and, and we can see through your movement, the story coming out. Um, and so what, what I try to do is incorporate like historical things because, you know, that's my background. So, you know, talking about Ubuntu and those principles, um, always, always using a quote, right? You know, um, uh, reminding people to be gentle with themselves, be, be your child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars and a crazy chaos of life. Keep peace in your soul. Be gentle with yourself and plan off that. Um, uh, if I'm talking with kids, I may use a James Baldwin quote um, for these are all of our children. We should profit by or pay for or whatever they become. And then what does that mean? Right. Or someone may tell me something that I know that it's OK for me to share because they said it. I would ask. And in, a, in, in the middle of class, if, if you you know, someone told me one time that um, that that uh, that they were uh, homeless and uh, slept in cars and and what that was like to um, survive that. Right. Obviously, I didn't say that person's name, but I was talking about that and doing chair pose. Right. Like things get hard and we don't know what to do, um, but we are resilient people. And so I tell stories that way. Or I have other people tell stories, you know, at the end of class, um, you know, there are times where we're in class five minutes early and, and we ask if someone has something to share and then people will get up and share it. What's really interesting, I think if you are, um, if you're an outsider, you may look at that and, and think to yourself like, man, that sounds so much like church. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 But I think that I don't know, I think that uh, it's not so much about church, but it's more so about um, you know the culture of Black Americans and the levels of things that we put in place to build our cultural background and norms. So I think that you still see a lot of that. So it I, it, it would make sense for me if someone said this sound and feels like church because you know it's our people created a certain way of how church is done, and I think that that shows up in our place as well. But we tell stories because stories are important. Stories are a way to honor your ancestors. Stories are a way to honor the people who are in the room. Stories are a way to bring light to folk. Stories are a way to always remember that people existed, right? It's, it's the memory of who we are and it carries forward with like where we're going. We have to tell stories and stories are really easy to remember and hold on to versus some other means of trying to convey a message. Definitely. So you teach adults and kids at the studio, and you're also an educator. You're director of student services, which includes school counselors, social workers, um, educational equity, student health, well-being, all that. How do you incorporate mindfulness techniques like yoga or breathing exercises into your curriculum, your educational curriculum? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. I think I've been working on this for the last few years, and I'm proud to say that um, just dripping, drip, 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 and now we're finally at a point where um, it's so it's part of our culture now, right? So tomorrow, or not tomorrow, yesterday was Monday, um, and in my school district, every Monday we have um, what's called Mindful Mondays. And this is the first year where it's stated, like you can you take a look at it and their materials. And so for Mindful Mondays, uh, and this is, yes, I would tell you that it did come from 
uh, just uh, COVID-19 and being at home and doing online learning. And so I was very um, intentional about making sure that students are not sitting on the computer for 50 minutes um, and then mm-hmm. taking a three minute break and then going on another phone or, or Zoom for another 50 minutes, taking a three minute break. Like that was not going to happen. We know that that's not good. That's stressful for kids. Um, so how do we take this time and this opportunity to intentionally create a mindful space? And, you know, luckily my superintendent listened and was OK with it um, and gave it a try. And so Mindful Mondays was created. So you have an option. Kids can go to uh, they can participate in an online yoga class. Uh, mm-hmm. Teachers can pr- participate in an online yoga class. You can participate in um uh, you can participate in like a journaling activity. You can participate in an uh, introduction to mindfulness. Um, and I can send you some of the videos just so you can take a look at yourself. You can introduce, you can do, uh, we have people who uh, want to cook, but you can only cook if your parent is with you because, you know, obviously you're at home. <laughs> or you don't want a second grader trying to make some eggs. No fires. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you have that, you have, um, I mean, it's just a whole list of things, like a whole list of mindful activities. And it's, it's becoming such a movement that people are really looking forward to it. And what I would say is when we go back to school, now, the other thing, what coronavirus has told us in, in education is that we have to change. Education needed to change a long time ago, um, you know, because we see a lot of kids who are just not healthy. Uh, and yet we're still trying to do the same thing that we did that is, you know, continuously producing unhealthy kids. Um, so I believe that whenever we go back, we're going to always have Mindful Mondays, right? I already, I'm talking to my superintendent about this now. Like, there's no reason to do school the way that we've been doing school. Like, kids need a break. They need to be able to breathe and focus on their breath. Like, we have to intentionally teach kids how to cope. Because if we teach kids how to cope in a K-12 setting, then those kids know and have coping mechanism for the college setting, which then they have coping mechanisms for the real world. I shouldn't say the real world, but for the business world, right? And and then they will have mechanism for whenever they have kids or whenever they start a family. It's a circle, right? That's a circle. So it starts with us. And for any school district who is not intentionally incorporating mindfulness, breathing, coping mechanism, what it means to be human, we're going to have to start. Um, it's okay to feel angry. It, it is. It, anger is, 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 a, is an emotion. It's okay to feel that. But when you feel that, what do you do? It's okay to feel scared. When you feel that, what do you do? Um, so it's giving kids a, the ability to fully be vulnerable in their humanity. And that is what school has to be about. Vulnerability or being vulnerable in your humanity. <clears throat> so that's what we do. Yeah, has it been well received by kids and parents and uh, teachers? Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. I mean, I, I, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting because people are you know they look forward to it. They they're asking about it. They want it. They they love it. You know, uh, it, it's yeah. the, the yoga class is probably one of the most popular classes that we have. Um, the journaling, you know, there are some kids who really like journaling, but for the most part, you really have to be a, a you know, a kid that likes to journal because most kids see that as yeah. work. <laughs> they don't want to do more work. 
So that's really uh, uh, important. You know, what's really interesting though, like the kids will try like uh, a sitting meditation. Um, they 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 try it. They will try it, and and they all will say that it's hard. And so, part of the trick that we do is, you know, and some some hardcore meditators may not agree with this, but you know, it's, it's a it's an entry part part point. What we do is um, try to challenge kids on their sitting, right? And and the competition is between themselves. Like we don't compete with other people, but if you can only sit and really you know, breathe for two minutes, then cool. The next time, let's set a goal for five minutes or four minutes. Cool. Um, And we haven't gotten, there's no kid, at least that that I know of that we worked with that that has set for um, 10 minutes or anything like that. But we, we, we did get a kid up to five minutes and these are elementary kids, right? These are elementary kids. can't sit for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there are times where I can't sit for five minutes, right? And so that's what yeah. I tell the kids. Like it's it's one of those things that you will always there you always grow on this. But to be able to have this, um, it's just beautiful. So I, I I can send you like a it was a video that we created a while ago, but it's basically the same thing that we're we're doing. These kids are sitting, they're talking with their parents about it. Um, they are uh, introducing their parents to it. It's just really cool to see. We're getting we're getting um, sports teams like all the sports teams to you know take a a, a mindful breath um, to just really breathe and just you know be in the space be in the here and now. Yeah. So this um, podcast, sorry, is, uh, is usually intended as a tool for learning, um, whether it's like yoga movement or visualization or meditation, mindfulness techniques. Do you have a favorite meditation or visualization that you like to teach that you'd like to share with us for a few minutes? Um, yes. Dun, dun, dun. I prepped you for that. Sorry. No, 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 no. you're fine. Um, no, so like I, I said it earlier, I just kind of went through it uh, quickly, but the one, the one that I, I love, absolutely love to teach in my class at the studio, as well as um, with kids, it's just like this, be gentle with yourself mantra. So what we do is, you know, we find a comfortable seat, whatever that looks like for you. So you can lay on your back, you can sit up straight. And if you're sitting up straight, just make sure that your feet are pressed deeply into the floor to feel the floor, to acknowledge your toes. So maybe you wiggle your toes. Then maybe you send your energy to your ankles and just noticing that you have ankles. And then we move the energy to our calf muscles. And then we shift the energy to our thighs. And you're still just breathing in and out, noticing your breath, moving your energy to your hips, and maybe you turn your hips to the right, following your breath, then we come back to center, continuing to notice that you're 
breath is in your hips and we move to the left. And then we come back to right, our center. And we allow our breath to move to our belly button, the base of our stomach. We continue to breathe and move the breath to our heart. And from here, you're gonna take your right hand, place your right hand on top of your heart. Take your left hand and place it on top of your right hand. And just allow your breath to stay at your heart with yourself. And you are going to continue to breathe then you slowly start to repeat these words. Today, I give myself permission to be gentle with myself. Today, I give myself permission to be gentle with myself. Continue to breathe. And maybe give yourself a smile or make a big smile as you can see what it feels like, what it sounds like, what it looks like to be gentle with you. So picture yourself as if you were on a movie screen and you meet yourself and you're gentle with yourself and you're happy with yourself and you're loving to yourself. And you tell yourself that it's okay There's nothing to worry about. And then you give yourself on the movie screen, a big hug and you squeeze closer, tighter. And you whisper to yourself on the movie screen to be gentle with yourself. It is okay. And you let yourself go. You hold your hands, yourself hands on the screen and you smile with a big smile. And you let yourself go. And you just repeat one more time. Today, I give myself permission to be gentle with myself. And allow your heart to go up and down. And let it go.
Wiggle your toes, blink your eyes, and come back into the space. Be gentle. So I beautiful. I tend to do that um, a lot. And I think part of it is because of my own space, right? I think so much of like moving fast, doing certain things and just really not being gentle with myself and our others. But if you are gentle with yourself, then you tend to be a little bit more gentle to others, I, I assume. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That got my day started off right. Thank you. <laughs> right. Terry, do you have any um, favorite resources like books or media or anything that you draw inspiration from or really bring into your teaching or your wellness practices? Oh, yeah. I am. Um... I'm I'm a heavy reader, and so I mean I, I mean there's so many books to to name, so I, I kind of think about like the the lot, the books that I'm reading now, and and um, you know what that does. So like I like all the spiritual books, like I always you know pick up some if be it the Bible, the Quran, or the Gita, you know like all those different things where I constantly draw inspiration from. People wise, uh, Wayne Dyer. Um, it's probably one of my favorite people. Iana Van Zandt is another favorite person. Uh, Maya Angelou, like all those people that we know, James Baldwin. But really the inspiration that I draw from is whatever I'm reading now. And so I'm reading a book called uh, Cast, uh, which is a wonderful book. <clears throat> I'm reading um, a book that's called uh, My Grandmother's Hands, uh, which is about trauma um, and how it shows up in the body. Um, so those are the two books that I'm reading now. Um, I read just recently completed um, uh, the body keeps the score, which again is that's that's about trauma as well. Um, let me think. Yeah, so I, I just I say that one more time. I said that book was really interesting. I just finished that too. Yeah, it's a it's a big big book. Um, it's yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, people like Ruth King, um, listen to her a lot for her meditation, um, pieces. And I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I just read a lot. I look at a lot of things. I follow a lot of people on uh, Twitter. I don't really use Facebook or Instagram, but Twitter is my medium. Um, I look at magazines. Um, I talk a lot, you know, like I talk a lot and, and, um, and but not not like just randomly talking. That's really asking a lot of questions, because there's just things I just don't know. You know, there are things that I'm just I'm a I'm a I'm a storyteller, but any any good storyteller is a story listener, and so you know it's I love to be in the presence of people listening to their stories. So, um, I, I because of my my interest is uh, African American history or Black history. Um, so I tend to read a lot of books about that because of the work that I do with the collective is very much um, racialized healing. Um, I tend to read a lot of books in, the, in that space. Um, but I would tell you a, a couple of books that I were well, one book really that I, I just picked up <laughs> and I don't even know why, but I, I did. Um, and I read this book a long time ago, but it's... Um, Marianne Williamson, A Return to Love. Mm -hmm. um, 
I don't know why. Like I, I just and and I think that part of it is trying to like I just really, you know, a return to love. Like I in that something is is lost. Like how do you and, and the return to love is a return to self. So and I remember that when I read that book 10, 15 years ago. And so I really started to pick that book back up and I looked at all the notes and the highlights and just trying to incorporate like, you know, just that love. That's the other thing about the collective that, you know, we understand that the the racial history of America, uh, we talk about it anytime there is something crazy that happens in the world, like people come and they talk about it and they release. But at the end of the day, um, the whole purpose is to create and bring healing to the space. And so we always are looking for ways to like incorporate love. <clears throat> I don't know, man, I, I just kind of, I read uh, a lot of stuff and draw from a lot of people, uh, but I can draw inspiration from anyone and anything. Like I really try my best to be very uh, mindful. Thich Nhat Hanh has um, a book that is a very small book, but it's a, a book that uh, I used to keep in my backpack every single day. And it was, um, uh it's either be here or you are here i think it's be here or you're here now i don't know but it's a small book and it's just like this really like everything like when you're eating that apple like be there with that apple um you know i just kind of love love that book i love that thank you for sharing those and then um as we start to kind of wrap up here is there any other kind of last thing that you want to share about your vision for the wellness world in general? Vision for change, something that's not happening now that you're contributing to that you'd love to see on a bigger scale? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, you know, I just, it's just, I want to remind people that yoga is a social justice uh, practice. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I think that sometimes we forget that. Like, I, I think that we forget that, but please understand that Yoga is a social justice practice. And so, um, you know, you're the way that social justice shows up for you are um, your students or your, your, your people may be completely different than how it shows up for, for me and my people and in and, and our studio, but it's still um, a social justice practice. And we cannot eradicate or erase, um, you know, that aspect from the practice. Um, and I think that that's a call to action for all of us, right? Like we have to be very intentional and um, stand up to um, the fact that people are being oppressed or the fact that people are not doing well. And, and what can we do on and off the mat to ensure that this practice, that the social justice practice is, is, is um, living as true principles. That's, that would be my call to action. Definitely. And I would love to send folks your way. Your website is thecollectivestl.org and your Instagram is the same. Yeah, handle? and Facebook. Same. Facebook. Awesome. So you have a lot of great resources on the website. So I'd love to send people over your way. Um, do you have any online class opportunities that people could check out? Um, yes. I, we also have a YouTube channel. So you can take a look at our YouTube channel with uh, some, we try to post every online class onto YouTube uh, whenever we get around to it. Um, and we're not doing online classes right now. We're doing, um, actually we're practicing yoga under the arch 
because um, we have a partnership with the, the Gateway Arts Foundation right now. Um, but eventually we'll go back to our online classes because of COVID and the restrictions. So people can check us out on our website um, and all that information will be posted. Awesome. And I'll link in the podcast notes for this episode, all of that information for easy finding. And if you're in St. Louis, you can go practice with the collective under the arch and with Terry and the rest of the team. Terry, thank you so much for sharing your time and, you know, your wisdom this morning. I really enjoyed your meditation and everything that you had to offer. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.